Welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Phillips, and because I've killed so many brain cells, I feel like I'm getting dumber as I'm getting older. So the podcast is a great way to learn more about the things that I love. So each week we take a look at topics from the world of pop culture, including music, shout out to hip hop, movies, sports, comic books, video games, psychedelics, cannabis, and more. And the format might not always remain the same from week to week. I'm all over the place. What can I say? And I love the idea of a podcast that changes and grows with our listeners. So before we get too far, if you're listening so far, head over to ittybittypodcast.com to subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. And make sure to say hi to us on social media. It's pretty much at ittybittypodcast for everything. Um, But without further ado, man, the Itty Bitty Podcast is anything but Itty Bitty. So let's get it going. What's going on, Itty Bitty Podcast listeners? Thanks for tuning in. A little bit of a new intro there. A little momentum coming for the Itty Bitty Podcast, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, uh, this week on the show, we are going to talk a little bit about like fitness and weight loss. Um, I've been... You know, I've been somebody who like likes to work out on a regular basis, and I mean, I'm not the most in shape guy, but I do take health and exercise seriously. And I think it's important, and it's part of my life, and it's something that's interesting to me. So this is more for me than it is for you. But there's a lot of great information about you know diet and exercise, weight loss, working out, getting started when you haven't worked out in a while, you know, changing up your routines. All this it's good information. So. It's a great episode. My guest is Stephen Arnold. Um, he's an online fitness coach, and so he was awesome. I'm glad he, he came on and helped me out. He actually helped me out last minute, so shout out to him for, for helping me out and getting the episode out, so I had an episode for you. I've been messing around with my internet. You guys know how that's been going, so I have internet up and running now, so it should be any minute since, or any minute now, that I'll have uh, some videos and stuff up, so... Thank you for bearing with me. And now, without further ado, this is not a fitness podcast. It's the Itty Bitty Podcast. It's anything but, and it starts now. Welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast. and we're rolling so my guest today is Stephen Arnold uh, Stephen you helped me out in a, in a pinch so I appreciate you coming on last minute to talk about something I've actually been wanting to talk about for a little while which is you know fitness and health and um, and kind of I wanted to pick somebody's brain about what I can do to kind of get my fitness to the next level and kind of hit some of my goals because I know you know that's one of the harder things to deal with and we're with the new year kind of just wrapping up um, you know, we're kind of already into the new year, rather. Uh, I think it's a, a good time to, t- to t- kind of talk about some goals and stuff. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got your start in fitness, you know, what your, your journey was like. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Perry. Obviously, obviously, it's a, it's a privilege to get to speak and help people. So I appreciate that. Um, well, I'm just a young lad from England uh, living in Australia. 
over in Perth. And basically, when when I came here, I started working with with sports and fitness models. And and through that career path, I managed to coach clients to 21 international titles in natural sports and fitness modeling. Um, bodybuilders, male bodybuilders, sports models, uh, worked with Miss Galaxy Australia. She went through to the international world competition. I worked with Miss Australia Nude. Uh, I worked with WBFF, National Champions, ICN, IFBB, uh, ICM. So a few different federations, a few different genres, but pretty much spent six, seven years working with sports and fitness models. Um, and then I just kind of wanted to move away away from that. So I moved more towards working with day-to-day athletes, corporate athletes, people that have less less specific goals in terms of working at that kind of level um, and, and get a lot more enjoyment and a lot more fulfillment out of that now. Taking somebody from a 8 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10, very commendable and it requires a certain skill set. But taking someone from a, a 2 to a 4 or taking someone from a 5 to a 7 it's a different skill set again, but very, very rewarding. If you can help someone lose a kilo or a pound for the first time in adult life, that, that's life-changing. Um, taking someone from a from an 8 or a 9 to a 10, you know, that's, that's commendable, and it's great to have all the awards and, and recognition, but changing lives is, 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 is what I've been focusing on now, and really helping people get to where they want to be with their health and fitness. I, I just feel that modern-day society kind of leads us away optimal health performance and, and body composition. It's the way that the world is in terms of creating more and more pressure on people, both physically and mentally. Um, the, the, the down-regulated quality of our environment and our food quality, or the fast food restaurants, and, and obviously busy lifestyles lead us into having less time to prepare food. And I think it's just leading us away from where we should be in terms of health and fitness. I think you touched on a good point. Uh, time is a big thing for I think a lot of people. Um, uh, but I wanted to kind of touch on time for two different reasons. So one thing is like there's there is such thing as not having to enough time. Um, I get that there's people that work two jobs, there's people that might have kids that might have something going on, and they can't get the time to get that workout in. Um, but I, you know, like we talked about, just prior to starting the recording, I just recently lost my job a couple months ago. And so part of my my issue now is I have almost too much time as far as like the diet aspect goes. So I yeah. kind of want to talk to you about like how you manage not having enough time and then how you also manage having too much time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a very, it's a very good topic there and a very, very relevant topics as well. I remember as a young lad growing up, my mother would be prepping dinner in the kitchen and she'd spend the mornings prepping everyone's lunch boxes and at breakfast we'd all sit down as a family and eat breakfast and at lunch we'd all sit down at school and have our lunch together and then in the evening we'd all sit down and have the evening meal together and those traditions seem to be escaping us now as people start working more and more. Um, you know, I, I don't know anybody that works a day. 38 and a half hour working week right. <laughs> most of the people I know work 60 70 hour weeks and how, how you know something has to give there we can't just create time we can't create 28 hour days um, so something has to give and, and we tend to sacrifice our health as a result of that um, 
um, you know, that's not it's not just a few people that are saying that either. It's everybody. Everybody's saying that, and and that's why fast food does become popular. You know, we we'll rush out the door, we we'll grab a bagel on the way to work, or we'll grab our lunch, and and that obviously that's out of our control. Then you know, how many calories are in there? What what quality is that food? Um, and that, that's just because of a time issue. Time is is something that gets in the way. So it is something that we have to address and, and look at. And and the key the key for all busy executives or all busy family people um, or all busy young athletes, the, the key is planning and preparing. You have to have a, a time period where you sit down and plan for the week ahead. And, and whether you're planning the time, we get our clients in week two of our of our twelve week coaching program. In week two, we get everyone to sit down with Google Calendar and map out their week. So they, they put in their date day date night which is obviously important we put in their downtime their work time their food prep time um we get them to put all of that into their calendar and, and manage their time better i mean it's essential that we do that and, and part of time management would be um setting time where you prepare your food for the week you cook and prepare your food for the week so it's all laid out in front of you um and, and we get our clients to do our, like they can cook 25 meals clean up and have it all done in, in, in about an hour and a half. So that's the whole week's worth of food, Monday to Friday, cooked and prepared on a Sunday in advance in about an hour and a half on a, on a Sunday. So you just recommend, I mean, I was big into meal prep when I was working. I would have my meals were always prepped. I would have my lunch ready, all that stuff. Um, and then as I, as, as once I was unemployed, it was like I was still trying to do as, as best a job I could at, at making sure I was eating the right things. Um, and so I should mention too, my wife is pregnant. And so for the first trimester, it was like a big thing that was, that she, she was eating was carbs. Like, you know, it was just whatever you could get down. And so as a result, there was a lot of carbs in the house. Um, and I'm one of those people that like, if I see food in the house, it's hard for me to, to, even if it's not like, I'm not going to overindulge. I'm not going to sit there and eat like an entire sleeve of bagels or something like that. But it was something that I had cut out of my diet. Um, I guess I, if, if I can real quick, let me just tell you a little bit about like where my weight loss and stuff started. It was a couple years back. Um, I think it was 2018 and I decided I was going to cut sugar out. That was the first step which was sugar. And I wasn't like, again, I wasn't somebody who was sitting and eating sugar constantly but if it was in the house it would be like a, a nighttime thing i got a sweet tooth at night so that was the first step is i decided i would cut out my sugar and then i cut out c carbs for the most part um started working out every day and i got down from about from 245 down to about ooh, 198 and then from 198 i got down to about 187 i'm now back up to like that 198 kind of threshold so that's kind of where I've been. I'm trying to get past that and get back down to like, you know, 185 and then see where my body's at from there. Um, but that's kind of my relationship with fitness and exercise. And so I make it a, a habit to exercise every day, but I haven't been able to keep that diet part up. Um, so what advice do you have for stuff like that? So there's a lot of factors that come in into this equation for you. And, and you know, there's... There's a lot of people that are in our program, a lot of people that we interact with that are in similar situations. The, the biggest hurdles to, to people's weight loss journey isn't actually like knowing what to do or, or, or training or it's emotional eating is the biggest issue. 
and, and whether you realize it or not, we're all affected by this to some degree. Um, and this is part of what's happening with you. So it's it's not emotionally you're not eating to, to make you feel better, but it's it's mindless eating. You're not you're not right. aware that you're doing it. It's passive eating. You're bored, um, and then you're you're going in it and, and and taking these foods. So the, the thing that we need to be aware of is one is identifying what the issue is, what what is holding me back right now. And and you've already done that. You're you're snacking. You're mindless eating. You're getting bored and eating. So once we've identified what the issue is. Then it's just about going about addressing that and removing it. So part of the equation for you is your environment because you, um, you have food in the cupboard in the first place. Um, and that's partly because your, your wife is pregnant and she's going to be wanting to eat more food to, to fuel the, the added energy that she has required on her every day. Um, and, and also the fact that um, you, you your partner may not be on the same journey as you. So this becomes a little bit harder right. um, because the food is in the house. Um, but the first thing is to do is just is to make sure that it's not there. It's to keep yourself occupied and be regimented because you know you don't have that structure. When we're at work, we work for three hours, we have a 15-minute break, we eat meal two, another three hours, we eat meal four, etc., etc., etc. And without that routine, without that structure, we get a little bit lost. And it's the same with, with many things. Without structure and routine, we become a little bit lost by the wayside. And that, that's what's happening with, with your nutrition and your and your snacking. It's all related down to, to that issue. And it's just about controlling everything that would affect that. So having a conversation with your partner and explaining what's happening and how it makes you feel and how she's involved in, and how she plays a role in this um, would probably be one step for you. And, and say, you know, like, you, are, you can either be on this journey with me or, or you don't have to. But if you choose to not have the same eating patterns as me and, and, and the same goals as me, just try to keep it away so it's out of my sight. Right. I don't, I don't want to know that it's in that cupboard. If it's in the cupboard, chances are I'm going to consume some of it. So like, have those foods by all means, but just put them somewhere that I don't know. And then I don't have to think about it. It's not in my mind. Um, and and there's, the next one would be um, is to create structure and routine. For me, I work at home. I'm an online coach. I don't have to go to work. I don't have set times for anything to be done. And I find myself in a similar position. I'm you know, looking around, I'm thinking of something to do. I've got to just finished one task. I'm about to start the next task. I wander into the kitchen, and, and before you know, I'm, I'm looking at things. Right. And 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 and, and I do the same. And and then uh, you know, I got to the point where I'm 12 weeks away from holiday. Now I want to tighten it up, and, and I do rely a bit on willpower and motivation to keep me away from these foods. Um, but the easiest thing is to do is to not have them there in the first place. Right. Another element of this is, and this isn't probably relevant for you, but it will be for a lot of other people. People that go to work, they then come home from work, and what they'll find is they're not snacking during the day, but they're snacking at night. Like that's what snacks. I was. That's me. I, I have a big big problem with that like it'll get to it'll be like seven o'clock and like fucking clockwork i'm just like okay i'm hungry and i'm only like hungry from like seven to nine because i'm trying to not eat too late at night but for those two hours it's almost like i just am i get hungry and i just want to snack and snack and snack and like it's yeah it's i was yeah. out of that habit for a while so that's another one of our biggest issues um, that we see with people it's it's emotional eating lack of planning and, and snacking. There are three biggest issues, and we've addressed those already in the first five minutes of this podcast. Right. So we're on the right track, and this is good. this this content's going to help a lot of people. 
Um, so with snacking, the biggest cause to snacking is just inadequate nutrition to begin with. So people design their own diet and they just design too little. They're just eating too little. And what's happening is with with the re- reduction in calories, so you're eating less than you require, this creates hunger and the hunger becomes so excessive that it leads you into cravings. The body's saying to you, hey, Perry, you're dieting really hard here. You're training in the gym. Uh, we are in a calorie deficit. You're not giving us exactly what we need. So as a result of that, we're going to tell you to go and find energy. We want you to go and find energy, find food. And we know that those snacks in the cupboard contain a high amount of energy, a high amount of calories, and they will uh, quickly solve the problem that's in front of us. So go and eat. Go and snack. And then Perry goes, okay, yes, I can snack. And then it's all over. But what we need to do to, re- to avoid this is have adequate nutrition. So what people tend to do is, well, I don't want to get too sciencey, but just for example, um, I know that I require 3,000 calories of energy per day to maintain um, my body weight to stay the same and for me to be able to carry out my daily activities. Now, what most people that are inexperienced in, in nutrition will do is they'll design their own nutrition diet and they make it design 2,000 or 1,500. So when you took all the sugar and all the carbohydrates out, you inadvertently reduced your calories, or consciously you, re- you reduced your calories. Mm-hmm. And it's calories that the body weight needs to eat less than you burn, etc., etc. So you probably took your calories down to maybe 2,000 or 1,500. So you're like half of what you need. This is a huge deficit, 40 or 50% calorie deficit. And this is going to create an element of discomfort and hunger. And when this element of discomfort and hunger, hunger become too big, too excessive, it leads to snacking. So what we need to do for successful long-term health and weight management is design a smaller calorie deficit. So we want to make sure that we're in a 10 or 20% deficit. And this deficit is still enough to achieve fat loss, but it will avoid any excessive discomfort and hunger. And without excessive discomfort and hunger, we can then moderate that and avoid snacking. Now, are so there... that's the big for snacking is, is total calories. They're just too low. And, and the other factor, which is really interesting, really important, and, and one that not many people talk about, I don't hear anyone talking about this, is animals on the planet, we all have basic instincts. One is to find shelter, one is to survive, one is to reproduce, and one is to, to find food. These are all basic instincts that every single animal on the planet have. Now, humans differ from animals in one element. And that element is we have this function called an executive function. It keeps us out of trouble and it overrides the basic instincts. So when you're at work and your boss is pissing you off and you want to punch him in the face, your executive function kicks in and goes, Perry, don't be an idiot. Do not punch your boss in the face. This will not end well. And the executive function does this all the time. Hey, Perry. Don't run the risk and run up and try and cross the road in front of that bus. The chances are you probably won't make it and you're going to die. Whereas animals don't have this function. If, if, you, if you watch your cat or your dog and the next cat or dog piss them off, they fight. Right. Straight away they get into fights. Or they try to run out in front of the car when the car's going to clearly going to hit them. They don't have the executive function. And as humans in modern society, we go to work and this executive function gets exhausted. It gets absolutely abused constantly all day. And I think it was Bill Gates, I think it was Bill Gates, 
he said, I don't, I just wear the same jeans and t-shirt every day, just jeans and a plain t-shirt because it saves me making it. It's one decision less that I have to make for the day. It saves my decision-making abilities for the more important decisions. So he was aware of this executive function. He knew that the more times he uses his decision-making ability, the more fatigue it's going to get. And it's the same for us. We go to work, we abuse this executive function, and then when we get home at night, we sit down, and the option to go into the cupboard and snack on food is there. And the executive function is so fatigued and drained throughout a busy day, we can't control it. And then we, we make the decision to eat the snacks. So what we say to our high-powered execs, our busy, busy um, parents, is you're going to be tired and fatigued at the end of the day, so don't wait until then to make the decision to not eat the snacks. When you wake up in the morning and your executive function is fresh, make the decision at that point. Visualize yourself coming home from work, sitting on the sofa, putting the TV on, watching EastEnders, Neighbours, or Seinfeld, or wherever you are in the world and getting your favorite TV programs on. When you sit down and you're watching this program, don't wait until then to make the decision. Visualize yourself coming in, going through your nighttime routine. Hey, honey, I'm home. Thanks for tea. That's brilliant. Lovely. I can't wait. Um, and you sit down and you're watching your favorite TV, and you know that decision is going to come into your head. Make it in the morning. Decide that it's fine. It's there. I'm actually okay. I don't need that. Everything's all right. Decide that in the morning. And then when you get home, you've already gone through that situation. You've already made that decision to not give in and eat the snacks. Um, so that's that's some stuff to, to look at and focus on as well. So let's say you absolutely have to have a snack. You know, you you're you're somebody who's you know you're going to go home and snack. What, like, for me, I like to snack on, I try to snack on things like pistachios. I have Fuji apples because they're sweet. Um, I'll get stuff like that, fruit and, and nuts and stuff. What's some snacks that you might recommend for people who are who just have to snack if they're going to do it? Yeah, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with eating however you want to eat. And, and this is what we say to people, like, what, we know what's perfect. And I can write you the perfect nutrition plan. I've worked with international world champion bodybuilders, so I know that I can design a perfect nutrition plan for you. But that doesn't mean that it's going to work. Just because it's perfect, it doesn't mean that that's what you should be following and that's what you should be doing. And that's what we should be living by. Five meals, three hours apart, chicken, rice, broccoli. Like That, that may be optimal, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong for you. And we don't need to ever be perfect unless our goal is to get on stage as a world, world champion bodybuilder. What we need to do is understand our own behaviors and our own preferences and program that into our own nutrition. So Perry, if you like eating apples, pistachios, and even if you like eating ch chocolate and crisps at night, let's put those into your diet so that you're not living a life of restriction. Because right. if you think you're living a life of restriction and you're fighting willpower and motivation, you will always lose. Motivation and willpower, as you've already said, come and go. Right. It's not something that we want to rely on. So if you enjoy eating pistachios and crisps and chocolate, let's put them into your meal plan. Let's make sure that every day you have some of those foods included. And and for people, this isn't you, but for, for some people that are moving away from a really bad diet, what I will do is I will put some of the, the terrible bad there's no there's no such thing as good and bad foods, but there's there's better and worse. So for someone that's having a lot of worse foods in their diet and they're moving toward, trying to move them towards a better diet, 
unpick some of those worst choices in at regular points throughout the day, just to make the process easier for them. If I take away McDonald's pizza, crisps, chocolate, and I give them chicken, broccoli, they're, they're never going to stick to it. They're never going to enjoy it. They're going to hate it, and they're going to resent health and fitness. But if I can give them chicken and some vegetables and a bit of chocolate, then they're more likely to stick to it. And that's what we can do for you as well, Perry. What you should be doing is saying, okay, I know that I need 3,000 calories or however many calories. Um, and what I want to do is just make sure that I'm in a slight deficit. And part of those, part of the foods are going to include pistachio nuts and chocolate. And, and I do this the same for myself. I will include three squares of dark chocolate at night because I enjoy it. And, and it's perfectly fine. As long as I'm eating less than I require for the whole day, it's perfectly fine to have some slightly worse choices in there. I did a good job for a while when when I would be not necessarily dieting, but when I would like have a different like like I guess regimen. Um, but I I did a good job with thinking in terms of using food as just fuel. Um, that's when I think I did the best at it. When I would like just if if I got to the point where I would didn't necessarily enjoy what I was eating but it was healthier than, you know, the alternative, I would have that mentality that I just need this because I'm hungry. It's not like I'm not eating this for the flavor. I'm not eating this for enjoyment. I'm just eating this to get my body that that energy that it needs. Um, is there is there a way to get yourself like I feel like I fell out of that mentality and now it's like I just have gotten not picky, but, you know, I just have a harder time saying no to certain things that before I would have been like, no, that doesn't even sound good to me. Yeah, you, you, what you're saying there's got so much, so much value, Perry, and, and, and honestly, that, that's, that's a fantastic question, um, and, and, and that question's going to help so many people. That you said yourself, the key to success is habits and routines. Mm-hmm. We're all routine, we're, we're, habit, we're creatures of habit, and habits and routines are what's going to win the day. We never want to re- rely on willpower, we never want to rely on motivation. Habits and routines stay, and... Once you can get into good habits and routines, then you're on you're on a winning road. And this is what happened with you. But then your circumstances changed. You lost your job, um, and 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 now your habits and routines changed. It's just about rebuilding new habits, new routines, and getting back into this good rhythm and flow. Habits and routines. When everything changes to someone's circumstances, they get thrown out and they take a step backwards. This happens everywhere, all over the world every single day to even the best athletes as soon as something changes they take a step back and it's perfectly fine and like you said you went through a period where you were very were very strict and 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 you did well and you had great success and now you're in a period where you're not quite at that level anymore but human physiology and weight management should and will never be in a linear path of progression You'll never ever see someone with a linear path of weight loss or be able to maintain a certain level of compliance. It just doesn't happen. Like, we live life. And and unless you're a a professional athlete, then we can sort of expect or program for more linear progression. But for the average person that's living day-to-day life like you and I, Perry, we can't expect linear progression or or a a set level of compliance. We're going to go through phases where there's times where we can be better, and there's times where we can't be quite as good. And it's perfectly fine to go through those periods. What we need to do is 
compare Perry to where Perry was six months ago and to where Perry was one year ago. And with that, we then work through periods. At the moment, I'm probably 70% compliant where I want to be. But I know that I need to be at 80 or 90% to get the results that I want. So how can I improve by 20% or 10%? How can I start moving forward? How can I start building new habits and new routines with the new circumstances that I have? And then you can start moving forward. But understanding that you're going to have periods where you can be better and periods where you can be worse. That's part of the process. And it's just about moving through those periods. So have you been to the the U.S. before? Yeah, I, I came over a couple of years ago for a um, friend's wedding in Vegas. Uh, Vegas, that's the way to do it. Um, I was going to ask you, so being overseas in, you said you're in Australia, but you're yeah, originally yeah. from England? Yep. Yeah. How would you say, like, the overall culture of, you know, diet, and exercise is compared, you know, between the U.S. to just in your experience. Like I, I worked in a town where you, you, we literally were driving. I was driving through with my wife. It's way out there, and we were driving through, and we look and we see a Burger King, and not two minutes later we pass, and my wife's like, "Is that another Burger King?" Like this town had multiple McDonald's, multiple Burger Kings, multiple Dairy Queens. Um, and there's a lot of small towns like that where you don't even have the option of like a mom and pop sub joint or like a little mom and pop pizza place. It's all the, you know, the McDonald's, the subways, it's all that stuff. Um, where was I going with this? Um, and so is, it, yeah, do you see like, do you see the culture, the shift in culture from, from place to place or did you not get that much? I mean, Vegas is pretty gluttonous as far as, you know, <laughs> what you can do there so yes yeah, certainly um, there's certainly a, a massive cultural difference between the three places from the limited experience I, uh, I do have um, growing up in England I spent 28 years there um, there were people that played football there was people that played rugby and there wasn't really anybody that focused on nutrition right. um, the culture in England is you work hard Monday to Friday Saturday you play football and then you go to the pub and in England it's cold and wet for 51 and a half weeks of the year. Right. So we're all wrapped up, sat in the pub in our jumpers and jackets, woolly hats. So our physiques aren't really something that got focused on a lot. There's probably five people that went to the gym in my hometown. And right. I'm not saying that's the culture for the whole of England, but that's what I was exposed to. Coming over to Australia, it's a completely different kettle of fish. It's beautiful, sunny weather with the world's best beaches every single week of the year. And there's a massive emphasis on physiques, looking good, feeling good, being healthy and vibrant. And that's driven by the fact that a lot of people know they're gonna spend a large portion of their year, of their life, on the beach. Right. So the majority of people will spend time in the gym and they do understand nutrition and training on a higher level than what I've been exposed to from England. People are prepared to invest more money in their health and fitness in Australia as well, from my experience, um, because there is a bigger emphasis on it. When I went to America, um, and, and this is my experience is obviously flawed because I think the stats show that 
Australia has a, has a large obesity rate as, as well as America. So, you know, the stats say that my experience is wrong, but when I was in America, I was quite surprised at their, um, their, their nutritional sort of habits and routines. I, I, I got to the point where I just wanted some vegetables. So I, I ordered some, just want a steak and some vegetables. Just, just steak and vegetables, but anything else. And then they, they brought the steak out, and they brought the vegetables out, soaked in melted cheese. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a break here. But that was, so I saw a, a, a husband and wife, they just got married, and they were, um, they were at, I think it was the Cheesecake Factory, they were at the Cheesecake Factory after the wedding, and, and um, the woman had a Coke, a, a pint of Coke, and she was pouring sugar sachets into her Coke. Oh. I'd never seen it like that before so she added sugar to her already like full of sugar drink (laughs) i worked i worked restaurant for like almost 10 years i worked at chili's i worked um yard house i worked all over and i don't think i've ever seen somebody pour sugar more sugar into their coke i've seen some weird shit (laughs) but i don't think i've ever seen that um yeah, that I mean, I've seen people like I've seen a girl eat. Thir- she asked for ramekins one time. This wasn't even my experience. I wasn't even taking care of this this table. This was like going out to eat with people, and it was uh, this girl asked for extra honey mustard for her whatever she had got, and the girl came back with like three three of the little ramekins of of honey mustard, and she's like, I think she thought I was joking, and she ended up asking her for more and I counted at the end of the meal how many empty ramekins she had and she had like fucking 13 empty ramekins of honey mustard that was just all clean gone like just scooped out with like a chunk of honey mustard at a time each bite of fry it was absolutely disgusting so I, we have some we have some bad habits here in the US so <laughs> I'm sure it's it's yeah. everywhere though and, and I, I don't want like um I, I don't want people that you know sugar is bad or 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 honey mustard is bad or or having cheese on your vegetables is bad because i think i think the health industry is sort of building this sort of fear mongering into food and saying to people hey look fats are bad carbs are bad meat's bad and and none of it is bad when it's consumed in a in a balanced way we can have sugar in our diet that's perfectly fine um you know, all carbohydrates get broken down into sugar eventually anyway through the digestive and absorption process. Now, are we talking Where about, like, become- processed sugar or just... Are you talking about processed sugar or sugar, like, just straight sugar from fruits and stuff? Yeah, so all all carbohydrates get broken down into sugar eventually through the digestive system. So whether, you know, they end up the same way as refined sugar. Um, and people are scared of it all. They think that eating sugar is going to make them fat, but it's... It's not. It's only when they're consumed in a bad way or in an excessive way that they lead to weight gain. You can have refined sugar in your diet. That's fine. But going back to better or worse, that's probably not the better choice. That's probably a worse choice because you could get the same amount of total energy or calories from a better food source like a piece of fruit. So rather than having 40 grams of sugar in a can of Coke, with zero nutritional value, right? You could get those forty grams of, of carbohydrates from a, a banana and and a, and a potato. 
then they would have more nutritional value than the Coke. Gotcha. But that's not to say that the Coke is bad. It just means it's a worse choice. Right. So you go through your day and you have some worse choices, but also some good choices, then we're creating balance. And balance is the way to achieve long-term success. Right. Because if we have all better choices and we don't have any worse, then we're living a life of suffering and sacrifice. Right. And we're achieving weight loss through suffering and sacrifice. And this can't be sustained forever. And it gets to a point where we go, I've lost a bit of weight, but I'm fucking miserable. Right. I'd love a jelly steak and a slice of pizza. Right. Oh, you know what? And then we create a binge starvation cycle. We go out and have a whole pizza and a can of Coke and chips, and then we feel bad. And then we under-eat the next day to counterbalance it. We get so far down the track, we binge out, and we create binge starvation cycles and we get this roller coaster ride of weight loss where we really end up resenting it. So it's okay to have some good and some worse choices as long as we're achieving our goal and we're eating less energy or we're consuming less energy than we require per day. And this way we achieve weight loss. So I want to move, um, talked a little bit about nutrition, diet, all that stuff. I want to talk now about like let's say you're somebody who is trying to get into working out you're not active currently um like for me I was active more so when I was in high school took some years off I was always working out here and there but the last five years I've had a daily burn subscription because we've lived in the middle of nowhere and it's like a 40 minute ride to the gym and so for me I'm not going to make that 40 minute ride you know to go to the gym and then 40 minutes back so the daily burn at the house works great for me. I've been doing it every day. Um, what what advice do you have for people who are trying to maybe get into starting to to get their bodies in, in shape and, and starting to do – like what's a good way to start? Because a lot of times it's just getting back into it. Like when you haven't done it for a while, it, it's, it's really hard to get a workout done. If you do it every day and you're used to it, it's just like, okay, you just get that – you hit that play button or you head to the gym – you do it, it's done, and then you get it over with. But for a lot of people, getting that first one started is the hard part. So do you have any advice for that? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Again, Perry, you're, you're all over this. Um, for a lot of people, and we have some people in our program that don't even go to the gym, and it just comes down to that energy balance. You need to consume less than you burn. This is how we achieve, this is how we achieve weight loss. It's just about doing more than you consume. If it goes the other way, if you consume more than you burn, you're going to get a gain weight. Your goal is to lose weight. You just need to make sure that you're eating less than you require. And an easy way to start moving more and increase your daily calorie or your daily energy requirement is this makes dieting easier. The more exercise you can do, then the more food you can have. If you're doing less exercise, then you means you have to eat less to get that deficit. So for some people, some of our clients don't even go to the gym. Just move more. Just go for a walk. That's enough. That's a start. Just look to do something better than you did last week. Look to do one bit more than you did last week. For a lot of people, just going for a walk is going to be more than they're currently doing, and that's fine. For other people, they're already fairly active. So what I suggest is do something that you enjoy. If you don't like going to the gym or the gym's too far away, don't, don't do it. Just find something else that you like. That might be playing netball or playing football. 
It might be going to do a sports club or doing a group class somewhere. Do something that you enjoy. Make it enjoyable. If you enjoy it, then you're going to stick to it. But if you're at the point where you're already fairly intermediate um, and you're already active and you want to get into the gym because you want to get the best results that you possibly can, because obviously going to the gym gives us the best results, we can retain or even grow muscle whilst losing fat. Um, and the more muscle we have means the more food we can eat and the easier it is to burn fat. So going to the gym is certainly the best option. And if you're at a point where you've lost your routine, you break your routine or um, you want to get back into exercising, make it easy. Make sure the gym is either by your workplace or by your house. Make sure it's at home and make sure you can st it fits into your routine easily. Get somebody to hold you accountable. So hey, mate, hey, girlfriend, hey, mum, dad, auntie, uncle, um, do you want to come and do the training with me? Do you want to exercise with me? Hey, work colleague, do you want to come to the gym with me? So you have someone to keep you accountable. Or coach, get a coach. Hey, accountability. Make it easy. Make it enjoyable. And um, build it into that routine. Build it in and set that time every day. Every single day at 6 o'clock a.m., I'm going to get up and I'm going to train. That's my time slot. And be realistic with it as well. If you're currently doing nothing and you're sat on the sofa, aiming to train six days a week, probably not the right idea for you. I'm going to go to the gym once this week. I'm just going to get to the gym on Monday at 6 a.m. I'm going to go to that gym. And that might be it. And then week two, you might go, I'm going to go to the gym Monday and Wednesday at 6 a.m. And set, set the routine out and make, make the progress easy. So we see a lot of times people go from zero to trying to train six days a week. It's too much of a shift, too much to do. They can't stick to it and they end up failing. Make it easy. Give yourself the wins. Small goals and stuff. Set set easy, achievable goals. Yeah. yeah, for you, it's just about building that routine now, Perry. Because your circumstances have changed, it's just about building new habits, new routines to new circumstances. Set a time where you're going to train every day. Get those foods out of the cupboard. Design a nutrition plan that you enjoy and suits your new circumstances and then give yourself structure so you're not getting bored and mindlessly eating. Okay. I like that advice. Um, what? Let's say you got a big, you got a big chest workout coming up, big chest day, you're maxing out. What music is going on your playlist to get you pumped up to get that, <laughs> to push that weight? Um, I, 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 I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, so a little bit of 90s hip-hop rap music. Or yeah, you fit right me. in on this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. Bit of, um, bit of Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, I um, got a Biggie Daddy. shirt on right now. Oh, yeah? Let's see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I... Uh, I think that that music like I'm when I do work out and I'm and I'm hitting it hard I have to have music on. I think that's a big big thing for me is like if if I don't have that music going, I just it's almost like a rhythm. Um I I yeah, I have to get that to get me going. Beautiful getting that mindset, get focused. Um before we I want to ask you one more about one more subject um before we kind of talk about um we can you know talk about your stuff here. That way we can get everybody um, to know about what you've got going on. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about rest and recovery. Um, so like for me, I'm somebody who if I try to work out every day and it's not because 
You know, it's not because I, I, a I, I do it because I enjoy it. Um, I like the exercise. I feel like if I don't do it, you know, then I have to make up the work the next day. Um, so I do try to take some either like active recovery days or rest recovery days. Um, but what are some things like that I can be doing? Should I be, should I be going every day, um, without taking a full rest day or, or is active recovery enough? You know, what should we, what should I be doing as far as rest and recovery, um, to make sure that I don't, you know, prevent injuries and all that stuff? Yeah, great question. Great question. So everybody has what we call a maximum recoverable volume. It's the maximum amount of work that you can do and still adequately recover from. And and what you're saying is a lot of people do fall into that trap. They just think more is better. They keep doing more and more and more. They don't adequately recover. And as a result, they actually dig themselves into what we call a fatigue debt. They go into the gym the next day, they haven't recovered, they're slightly fatigued, their gym output becomes slightly diminished. So rather than giving 100%, they now give 95%. They don't require, they don't recover adequately, go to the gym the next day, and now their training output becomes 90%. They don't recover adequately, go to the gym the next day, they train 85%. Mm. And they just keep things themselves as this big fatigue debt. So as an individual, it's part of your responsibility or your coach's responsibility is to find that maximum recoverable volume. How much training can you do and still adequately recover from? More training, more stimulus, doesn't necessarily mean more results. More stimulus requires a bigger general adaptation curve. So the more training you do, the more recovery you have to do. And if your recovery doesn't match the stimulus, you end up with less results. So if you do more, you need to recover more. But the most important thing is you actually need less stimulus than you think. You'll respond a lot better by doing a little bit less. Four to five, 45 minute workouts a week is more than adequate for the normal person. And if you want to re- increase your, your recovery, the king of recovery is sleep. Making sure that you're not just getting good sleep length, but you're getting good sleep quality. And there's a complete difference between length and quality. I can lie in bed with my eyes shut and be half asleep for nine hours, but it doesn't mean that my quality of sleep was adequate. So we have to make sure we're getting enough REM sleep and enough deep sleep throughout the night to recover correctly. That's the number one thing that you can do for recovery. The next best thing is nutrition, making sure that you're getting enough micronutrients through better choices of nutrition, wholesome fruits and vegetables, and enough energy, enough calories. Obviously, fuel energy fuel the recovery process. So they're the two biggest things that we can look at for um, recovery. It's sleep and adequate nutrition. Okay. Yeah, I um, I was a big bigger drinker back in the day. Like not so much anymore. I'm I'm. I like to smoke weed. That's my thing. I don't like to get hammered and drink. And part of the reason is because the next day, one, like my decision making is, is, is worse. Um, you know, if I'm hung over, I'm going to be like, I need a a fast, I need that fast food that I never eat or I need, you know, pizza or I need, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then the other thing too, is that it, it does affect your sleep. You know, when you're just going to sleep and you're drinking, 
you're not getting that proper that proper sleep and that can also affect you as far as your workouts go so i think a big thing that helped me was you know and i wasn't even a, a huge drinker but i would have a couple of drinks at night and again it's it's one it's it's calories and sh- empty sugar and all that stuff going in and it's affecting my sleep and and so yeah that was a big big thing for me was cutting out the the drinking habits yeah you're all over alcohol prevent you from getting in good sleep quality yeah. it will affect your decision your hunger and, and um, to fight your hormones will be affected you're absolutely 100% correct so let's uh, we can start to wrap it up here um, I definitely would like to do this again at some point and then maybe learn a little bit more about you and, and, and what you do um, but why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online and what, what, you, what services you offer so we, we um, run a 12-week health and weight management program. Um, every week, we break the program down to a different topic within health and fitness. So week one is all about sleep and stress management. Week two is about time management and mindset. Week three is about nutrition. Week four is training, etc., etc., etc. for the whole 12 weeks. We run that from our online platform. We have clients in nine different countries at the moment. Um, and, and you can find us on Instagram, which is just stephen.j.arnold. And Stephen is spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Or you can find me on Facebook, again, Stephen Arnold, or just search for Team Bodyproof. That's that's our company name, Team Bodyproof. We have a group and a page on Facebook. You can find us there. Or you can just go to our website, teambodyproof.com.au. Well, Stephen, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you again helping me out last minute. Uh, any final thoughts that you want to leave people with before we finish up? Yeah, don't overcomplicate it. Make it enjoyable. And the, the fundamental pillar of weight loss, that which cannot be denied, is the one thing that we know 100% for certain in science, um, is it's energy management that dictates body weight. So if you eat less food or you consume less energy than you need per day, you will lose body weight regardless of how you get that energy. So you can, as long as you're in a calorie deficit, you can have some sugar, some chocolate, some pizza, some crisps within the, within that food for the day. As long as you're eating less than you require, you will still lose weight. Keep it simple, make it enjoyable, and just make sure that you're eating a calorie deficit and you will lose body weight. All right, Stephen Arnold, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the ADBD podcast. And I'll talk to you guys next week. See you later. Thanks, Perry. Take care. And that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Share it. Tell all your friends. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, Go over to the website, ittybittypodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe on the platform of your choice. And tune in next week. We're going to be talking about... That was a fucking terrible drum roll. Um, Cannabis. So next week we're going to be talking cannabis. Um, We've talked about it before, but my guest is uh, one of our friends from Buzzbro. So we'll bring them on and we'll talk, yeah, all things cannabis next week. So we'll see you next week.